Welcome to another episode of The Coiling Solution, where we empower you with awareness and actionable insights. And today, I am pleased to welcome Jason Hunt to The Coiling Solution. Jason, welcome. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much for being here. And Jason is the CEO of I Squared Leadership, where he makes it easier for people to like their leaders. Imagine that, liking their leaders. So, so let's start there. What inspired you to go into that piece of work? Sure. I think, James, it's mostly from failure. You've been in leadership long enough in a different a number of different positions. You probably realize that it's really easy to fail as a leader. And, and that's what I did. My whole goal, my career aspiration was to be a principal of a middle school. And, and I got there and the first year was beautiful. It was everything I imagined it to be. People were nice to me. They invited me to events. They, they did what I asked them to do. But year two just stunk because the gloves came off and people got real with me. And I'd recognize that, that, that I was not leading in the right kinds of way. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of technical focused. Like I love tasks. I love to-do lists. So I, I reformatted the entire student handbook and the staff guide. And I had flow charts for student discipline and all these great things. But nobody cared. Yeah. Because I hadn't connected to them personally. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was not a likable leader. I was a leader that got stuff done, but nobody was following me. Yeah. And uh, as one... One union president once told me, he said, she said, Jason, the issue is you're a, you're a locomotive and you're going full steam, full steam ahead down the, down the railway. You've not connected to any of your boss cars and any locomotive that doesn't have boss cars is, is useless. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of being, you know, uh, liked as a leader, because I think a lot of times people believe that those two things are, uh, never connected, right. Being a, a, a powerful and effective leader and being likable as those two things must be uh, separated. So taking a step back, one of the things I always like to do to help our audience get comfortable with who they're listening to is maybe share with people, you know, one thing that the people who believe they know Jason best don't know about Jason. (laughs) Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, So I have a a handful of just unique hobbies Mm. And, and one of those hobbies, and it's something completely unrelated to anything that I do professionally or even in my family, uh-huh. but I'm a, I'm a brewer of homemade root beer. I put it in bottles and I sell it at the farmer's market. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, how'd you get into that, by the way? You know, it was one Halloween and I really wanted to home make some root beer like my dad did when we were growing up with some dry ice uh-huh. and we couldn't find any dry ice. So I started off the yeast and then just kind of one process after another and 17 recipes later, we now force carbonate using CO2 tanks and enjoy what i consider the best root beer there is out there man very cool you're gonna have to ship a bottle over it you know so i can uh, <laughs> I might have to do put that. a review up are you selling them as well or kind of more just for the family mostly for the family we hit the farmer's market for some spending cash every once in a while you yeah. know so we'll show up on a saturday morning and unload five or six cases of the stuff i've got a little bit of a following that enjoy it and very cool it's, it's mostly just a hobby something to get my brain away from kind of the busyness of life and just enjoy some more of the simple things of life. Yeah, very cool. Now, one of the things I know that, you know, when I think about people moving into leadership roles and getting their first taste of leadership, I think the typical story is you're great technically at something, right? And people recognize that. So whatever it is, you're great on the construction site, you do very well, somebody makes you a foreman. You're great in the uh, restaurant industry, uh, serving tables, so on and so forth. Somebody makes you a shift supervisor, right? You're great in the kitchen, somebody makes you a kitchen supervisor or so on and so forth. Um, your first experience is really unique, right? If I remember correctly, uh, running 
a a branch of a church with a hundred members in outer Siberia at the mm. age of nineteen. Mm-hmm. H- how'd you land that role? <laughs> no, that's a good one. So in our church, we have uh, almost an expectation that our young men at the age of nineteen go off and serve missions, and, and so that's that's where I was at, yeah. and and. You know, very much so. I'm, I'm a technical guy, right? I, I get stuff done. And so we got out there and, and our mission president, who is in charge of all of these missionaries, had, had seen that. And, and he said, you know what? We need somebody to lead the, a, a branch of these hundred church members. Now, the big difference here, James, leading church members is, and I'm going to say this very carefully, but it's relatively easy mm-hmm. because people will forgive your mistakes quickly. Yeah, It's church. And they also believe that we're all doing the work of God, yeah. right? And, and so it's it, it's it's simple for them to say, okay, well, this is this is our leader. We're going to follow him yeah. because he's inspired of God, and you know he's he's going to give us some. So they don't really question church leadership as easily as they might question you know leadership in a restaurant or a manufacturing plant or something like that. So can a 19 year old boy run a group of 100 church members? Yeah, I think I did a pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. decent job. I got to know some great people and fell in love with the Russians, just fabulous people. But here's the other thing, too, with Russians is they have no leadership. Hmm. You know, for 70 years, they were under communist rule. And if you show, so much as showed any sign of 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 uh, in, intuitiveness or any sign of, of, of self-determination or rising above the ranks, uh, you were pounded down. You know, you, mm. you, you, you were not encouraged to express any of those capabilities or skill sets at all. And, and so another reason why I ended up leading in that area is because there was just a huge lack of leaders. They didn't know what leadership looked like, mm. nor were they too comfortable in saying, Hey, let's become a leader because of the old mentality, the communist mentality of if you stand out, you're going to get shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how long did you spend in that, in that particular role? Uh, I was in that role for about a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Biggest lessons learned. Ooh, biggest lessons learned as a 19 year old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think one of those is a leader doesn't have to have all the answers. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought that I did when I first started off and I really had this, this image in my head of what the perfect leader looked like. Mm-hmm. And, and so I tried to be that leader every single day. In fact, I, I did what they say, fake it till you make it. Right. Uh, but I continued to fake it and continued to fake it and continued to fake it. Um, pretending like I knew all the answers. Right. And, and, and I didn't, yeah. I didn't. Um, and, and so there were some great people there that kind of helped me um, just come up with some more ideas and to be able to relax, I guess, a little bit yeah. in regards to my expectation of leadership that it's not, it's just not me. It's, it's a team thing. And if I think it's just me, we're doing leadership in the wrong way. Leadership is not a lonely business. I know people talk about that a lot, but it's not if you do it the right way, which means you bring a team along with you. Yeah. That's good. And then one of the things I recall is, you know, after that you moved into, and maybe it wasn't right after that. So you'll correct me into being a principal of a school. And one of those, one of the things I recall you saying and mentioning in your book, by the way, you pick up Jason's book on the other side, excuse me, the other side, five rules for leading with influence is, uh, I guess one of the lessons or one of the, the critical barriers, you know, when you hit, you hit a critical barrier rather was, you know, finding yourself kind of curled up right uh, in a room. Right. Talk about that a little bit. What led to that? Mm. We all struggle in leadership, I think. Uh, Whether we're willing to admit it or not is a different story. But here I was, 32 years old, hired as a school principal, uh, job of my dreams, first year in the pocket already, and, and second year going, 
terribly wrong. Mm. Uh, the culture was toxic. We were losing staff members left and right. We kind of had a little bit of a uh, reputation that this is a school you didn't want to work at. Uh, our student discipline was up. Our attendance was down. It was it was just kind of a miserable place. And and I realized, you know, it was kind of one of those aha moments that everything rises and falls on leadership. Like it, it was me. I'm guiding this ship and it's going the wrong way. And I didn't know what to do about that. Like I was showing up early already. I was putting in 60, 70 hours a week already into this job, yeah. pushing as hard as I could, doing everything that I possibly could imagine to turn it in the right direction and to be able to move us towards towards progress. And it, and it still wasn't working. And, and that just drove me honestly insane. I mean, it had huge anxiety. That anxiety mm-hmm. turned into depression. The depression turned into uh, just thoughts I don't even want to go back to now. And to the point where you know, I'd, I'd show up to work because obviously you got you to show up. They're going to notice the principal's missing. Um, but in the middle of the day, there were times when I could sneak away and just go hide in a portable classroom as a classroom wasn't used mm. hardly at all during the school day. Uh, just just to get away and yeah. to kind of collect myself and find a moment where I could just deal with some of this anxiety and the stress that I was facing uh, of leading. It was it was it was miserable, yeah. honestly. And, and it wasn't just a once or a twice. This is multiple times over the series of probably four months or so mm. uh, of really just struggling and trying to cope with the challenges that I, I didn't really expect when it comes to leadership. Mm-hmm. Did you find, you know, when you got to those moments that um, led to now this repeated pattern of, you know, hiding away, if you will, was it a gradual thing or did it just hit you all at once? Did you, can you recall? I'd like to say it was gradual, but I don't think it was. No. Okay. I think it hit me all at once. Um, it happened. And I'm a, I'm a words of affirmation guy when it comes to love languages, right? Mm-hmm. So it happened when I got a little critical feedback and it wasn't even directly mm-hmm. from the person that said it. It came through the came through the grapevine and I heard the critical feedback. And here again, I had a great first year and then I get this. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in a matter of just, just a couple of days, I, my eyes were open to the reality of what was going on, um, both personally with a couple of staff members, some, some surveys that we were doing, some stats that I'd punched, you know, to be able to see where the school is at. Um, and so it was, it was almost an instant thing. And I think that's why it had, it had such a great effect on me. Gotcha. And you mentioned in th- anxiety. So, you know, great first year, then you see kind of this cracks in the culture, some survey points, some direct feedback, so on and so forth. And all of it just kind of comes uh, crumbling down in your mind. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? Yeah. I, th- I think that's really instructive to people listening to this. Right. And then tie it back to your first point that you don't have to have all the answers either though. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so good. So good. So where do you go from there? <laughs> um, you pray a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Cause that's what I did. And I'm like, God help me here. Uh, I mean, I wanted to leave and perhaps you have been in a position like this, or certainly some of your listeners where, where you just feel that and you want to take the easy way out. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get out of there so bad. I've got a wife and four kids though. We needed a regular paycheck and healthcare. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't an option. It just wasn't an option. And so kind of God, honestly, God instructed me and said, Jason, you need to humble yourself. You need to start asking questions. Mm. And so I, I went in and I put on my fit skin. And first I started with staff members that I knew I could trust pretty well. And I would ask questions like, James, I've been leading you for two years. Um, it's, it's not going well. You know it. I know it. Um, help me understand, you know, what, where are some weaknesses in my leadership? Mm. You know, what have I done that maybe has not allowed trust to be built with the staff? What could I do or what do I need to do to become a better leader? Uh, not easy tasks, not easy tasks at all. And and that's where I came across the union president. And and I hated her. I mean, her, her and I didn't get along very well at all. Um, 
but I knew she spoke very honestly yeah. and, and she was a straight, straight shooter. So she's the one that told me, she's like, look, you've, you've, you've messed up on leadership. You think that it's about your position and your title, the amount of knowledge that you have and managing a great system. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says it's, those are all important, but what's most important is connecting with people. And yeah. you've not, you've not connected with people. You've not put them first. Mm. You've put processes ahead of people. And, um, and, and so she kind of gave me the first hint of what I needed to do. Mm. The second step was, is I had started looking at some resources and I found this book by a guy I'd never heard of before called the 21 year football laws of leadership from mm-hmm. John C. Maxwell. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't ever heard of him before. Cause I've read lots of leadership of books and he's written a yeah. hundred of them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but chapter two in that book talks about influence and how leadership is entitled. It's not position. It's our ability to influence people. And that was, that was another aha moment. It was revelation that was just poured into my mind of saying, you know, I've, I've done it wrong. I'm yes. going about this with the wrong perspective. I need to focus first on developing influence and then all the rest of the stuff will happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's so good about that is um, the advice given and the, the gift of the, the feedback and the advice. Right. I want to go back to something you did, which is that courageous moment of walking in and asking the questions. Talk about the preparation for doing that, right? Because it's easy to glide past that. If you can remember, what was it like preparing to walk in and ask people those questions? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, you're good at interviewing, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> it's getting a little deep here. It's almost bringing back a touch of PS- PTSD, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like we, we go through hard situations and and then you try to relive that. But there's some some critical key pieces, I think, that helped me. Um, as, as I mentioned, the prayer was, was an important piece of that. Number two to that is I had a really good support system. So strong wife, mm-hmm. great family. And I had one person, she was at our assistant principal at the time that I had confided in. And I told her my deep down dark secrets, you know, um, the, really where I was struggling at. And, and I knew I could count on her. Like she, she could be my earpiece. If I had had a couple of these interviews and they were going awfully terrible, I knew that I could be able to go and interrupt whatever she was doing and just talk or decompress or vent or whatever I needed to do. Um, and I'd kind of set that up a little bit earlier. She knew, she knew what I was going to be doing. In fact, she was one of the people that kind of coached me to start asking some questions. And, and, and she told me, she's like, look, if, if you need me, you, you just come, like, yeah. I'll, I'll stop doing whatever I'm doing and, and I'll just be there to listen. Mm. Um, that in itself took quite a bit of humility. I have to understand again, I'm, I'm the principal and she's the vice principal. Right. So there's kind of a, a, a power dynamic there that some people have a hard time with. Sure. Um, I didn't cause she was such a great lady and, and helped me along in the process. So, so it's a God thing. It's a support system. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is, um, there wasn't another option. You know, you, yeah. you hear the story about Napoleon going over to England to, to take over England and all the men come off the ships and they get up onto the, the plateau and they're, they're ready to go fighting. And one of the guys looks back and he sees smoke and he turns to Napoleon and says, Hey, you know, our, our ships are burning. And, and right. he says, no, I, I lit them on fire. You, you know, there's no turning back. Right. Right. You have exactly. to get to this place where you're, you're just so willing to learn and grow that no matter what happens, you know, there's going to be some good that comes out of it. Yes. That's so good. That's so good. And, you know, to your point, you know, you're the principal and you're going asking those people the, uh, yeah, the, the, the courageousness to walk in and <clears throat> in order to elicit that, uh, that feedback, uh, they have to feel like they have your permission to do so. 
Um, mm-hmm. So there's something that came across in your level of authenticity as you uh, mm-hmm. ask those questions clearly. So so now getting that feedback, the person says to you, yeah, you know, you're, you're not really uh, communicating. You're not really, uh, you know, striking relationships and whatnot. I'm sure there's a part of you on the inside that's like, sure, I'm listening. I mean, I have one-on-ones all the time and we have these meetings. <laughs> What was what was your reaction? What did you do after that? Exactly like that. <laughs> you get defensive. You're like, are you kidding me? No, this is what I'm doing. Um, and, and I and I did. I got defensive, but I took a lot of notes. And, and a couple of them I even recorded. I asked them for permission, and they just said, "Hey, can I record this?" Because I knew that I wanted to listen to it or see it with fresh eyes. Yeah, so yeah. even though I knew my emotions were going to come up first, uh, that's fine. I'm, that's why I'm going to write everything down and record it. And then later I'll go back and I'll reflect on that. And I'm looking for for commonalities Mm -hmm. between the different discussions. You know, there are some staff members that just didn't like a particular way that I did things. Okay. That's leadership. You know, not everybody's going to like you. Okay. But if you start to see themes in some of the feedback, then, you know, these are some areas that you could work on in order to grow and improve. Yes. And and so I I was able to kind of step back from that, look at the notes that I'd taken, listen to some of the recordings and, and notice there were some very clear themes that I knew I could do and almost immediately to start to change the culture. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's walk through those themes. Cause I, I, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've read about the themes, heard about the themes, love for you to unpack those themes with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is the core of what my book is based upon. So there's five kind of major principles that I really pulled out of this experience. Um, one of those was about character. And, and when I say character, it means, you know, do you really care? And that was a theme that I started to feel. I, I cared. I mean, I, I, I really did care. And mm-hmm. I cared about the people. I just didn't know how to show it. And so they didn't feel it. Right. And, and so I, I had to develop an ability or a process or just think about how I could start to show people that I cared more. Mm. And, and eventually, this is, this is turned into a tool I call give a crap. <laughs> um, Love that. It, you know, you got to give a crap. And, and it's fun to be able to talk about because, you know, it, everybody wants to have a crap given to them, but, you know, it's hard to give a crap. And, uh, but, you know, every day in the morning, we should just, we just wake up and want to give a crap to everybody. And, and, and crap is an acronym. It stands for celebration, recognition, appreciation, and praise. Mm-hmm. I, I'd learned through some guidance of a superintendent. He said, you know, if you just, if you just take some time each week, to sit down and write out one card or two cards to your staff members and just tell them how you feel about them. He says, you'll, you'll be surprised at the reaction to that. And I'm like, come on, really? That's like old school. You know, nobody writes cards anymore. Can I send them an email? Can I just walk into their classroom, tell them good job? He goes, nope, nope, nope. Sit down and, and write out a card. Mm. And so I took his advice. Um, later, I scheduled what I call AA meetings. Every Friday for an hour, I would go to my AA meetings. <laughs> Not that I had any problems with alcohol, but they were my appreciation appointments. Yeah. I intentionally scheduled one hour a week to sit down and do mm. nothing but think about how to give a crap. Yeah. How can I celebrate, recognize, appreciate, or praise my staff members? Mm-hmm. Do I put it in the newsletter? Do I send them a card? Do I go buy them a gift certificate? Do I, you know, there's a million things you can do. Yeah. But that was my time that I intentionally dedicated to showing people that I cared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the response was fabulous. You know, I, I would have people come up and with the card in their hand and tell me, thank you. Wow. I'd have others write their own card and send them my way. I'd have, I mean, there was, I think the, the response rate on cards was probably somewhere around 85 to 90% of the people that I wrote cards to actually went out of their way to say thank you in yeah. one way or another. Yeah. Um, which is exceptional. I don't know if you've tried writing emails to people and telling them thank you. Not many people respond. Yeah. But but a card they did. And so this was a really key piece for me to 
to begin that transition. That's good. And people probably held on to those cards and, and probably still have them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. What's the second theme? So that was a major one. Uh, another one was to be able to build the confidence in other individuals. Um, mm. You know, I, I come from a hardworking middle-class rural countryside of Utah <laughs> and, and I was, I was taught, you know what, you got to bo- pull yourself up by the bootstraps and just move on. You know, it, it was, if it's to be, it's up to me. Right. And, and, and so when I approached leadership, I imagined that everybody was like me, mm. like you know, they're just self-determined, they're self-motivated. They, um, they, they just have to figure out things on their own in order to move forward. And what I realized is that just like I was facing my own anxiety with my job responsibilities, a lot of people are. Yeah. Like yeah. there's this, there's this, this, this lack of self-confidence that almost everybody has. We even very successful business people I've talked to and they'll tell me the same things like Jason, your story. I faced that probably every three months. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, but you're the stalwart of the community. You could run a really nice organization that's, you know, making plenty of money and, and you're well-respected and he goes, yeah, I still struggle. Still struggle. And, and, and so the second piece for me was to be able to, um, do intentional things that help boost the, the ability of others. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be words, obviously, as I've already discussed about giving a crap, but more importantly, I found that a lot of it's about empowering them, mm-hmm. about giving them a responsibility allowing them to have the authority to make decisions, including them as part of the process or some kind of panel that you're working on. Um, and, and as you do that uh, and then give them a crap, right? Now you're doing it specifically about a task that you've assigned to them. Uh, it's, it's amazing what happens to self-confidence. It just really starts to boost. That's excellent. And one question just to, to um, find a point of detail. Is it important in your experience with this uh, theme that it's within their development plan or not? In other words, does it have to be like extremely conscious and in front of them or, or not necessarily that you're doing this for them, that you're working on this? I don't think, well, I think there's two ways to approach it. I think in all of our interactions with everybody, we should be looking for ways to build self-confidence to others mm-hmm. um, in, in everything that we do. Um, I often teach that a, a leader is like a hammer. We've got the ability to build people up or tear people down and there's no neutral. Everything we do, the body language, the way we say it, what we say, are uh, all parts of our interaction are either building people up or tearing people down. Mm. So in that way, I don't think it has to be like a written down strategic plan kind of thing for you. Yeah. Um, conversely, if you've noticed some particular skill sets or some potential in certain individuals, or in, in my mind, I think you always should be mentoring one or two people to develop into leadership. If you've noticed that, then it is an intentional practice. Yeah. You sit down and you say, James, you know what? I've got a ton of confidence in you. I see some great potential. I have some specific responsibilities that I'd like to be able to coach you through with the intent of getting you ready in case that position opens up later down the road. I can't guarantee you anything, but I know that through our interaction together, as we collaborate together, that you'll be a better person in the end. In fact, I'll be a better person in the end too. It's it's going to be a win-win for both of us. So if you're willing to dive in, I'm willing to dive in and let's work on this together. Again, no guarantees about where the conclusion of this might be, but it is going to be beneficial for both of us. And should the position open up, you're going to be primed for it. Excellent. That's excellent. Excellent. Okay. What's the third theme? So number three is is about connecting. We've, we've discussed that a little bit already, but here's, here's a fun 
tool that I that I often teach that is just so simple to remember, much harder to do, but simple to remember. And it, and it almost instantly helps you connect to other people. You've been doing it a little bit today already, as you've asked me some of these questions and diving a little bit deeper into some of my emotions or feelings. It's really simple. It's three questions. What do you dream about? What do you sing about? And what do you cry about? Mm. So what do you dream about? You know, what aspirations, what goals, what, what, what kinds that's of good. achievements are you trying to get in life? What do you sing about? What's going on right now that's just beautiful, just amazing, just you're so happy and excited about? And what do you cry about? What's bothering you? Like what's keeping you up late at night? And, and I think, James, that when it comes to connecting, there's kind of three degrees of connection. The first degree is it's a superficial degree. Yeah. We'll talk about the sports or weather. <laughs> We live in Minnesota. We can always talk about the weather. Right. <laughs> but if you find that's the only thing you're talking to somebody else with, you're at a superficial level. And that might be okay with some relationships. But if you're a leader, you need to go deeper. Mm-hmm. The second degree is a business degree, meaning that anytime we get together, we talk about the business. We talk shop. And that might even be when we're at the bar grabbing a drink together. We're right. still talking shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's the furthest you're ever going, it's just the second degree of connecting. Mm-hmm. The third degree is personal. And that's where we really get to know the answers to these three questions. Imagine for a minute that if you're a new hire for me and I bring you in and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about your role, your responsibility, the duties you have or anything. The first questions I sit down and ask you are, Hey, what do you dream about? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. What do you sing about? What's going on right now? That you just love. What do you cry about? What bothers you? You know, will they be completely open and honest with us at the very beginning? No, but they're going to get a sense that, hey, this is a guy that means business. This is a guy that wants to really care about me first. And then we'll talk about the duties of your and your responsibilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. So good. The death and relationship uh, just pays off exponentially uh, if you can if you can weather investing in it. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. What's number four? So number four, uh, what is that piece about collaboration? We've talked about it a couple of times, but it's it's teaming up with an individual or a team to be able to accomplish a greater good together. Yeah, um, it, it, It's not hiking up the mountain by yourself and getting to the top and realizing nobody's come along with you. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's turning yourself around, going back down to your crew and saying, all right, let's all come up to the top together. It's slower. Honestly, it's more painful and frustrating. <laughs> But it's so worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it. The number one responsibility of all leaders is to develop more leaders. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. And, and, and so this this fourth piece about collaborating to be great really is that. It's it's what can we do in working with our teams or working with individuals where I bring my best and they bring their best and together we collaborate to make something even better. Absolutely. There's a million different ways to do it in the business world. But for me, it's mostly, it's mostly a mindset. It's, it's walking into the company and, and looking at your to-do list for the day and saying, where is it that I need other people to help me out on this? Yeah. You know, how, how can I include a team on this piece? Yeah. If ever you find yourself doing something alone, just question, do I need to be doing this first? Uh, secondly, uh, is this something that I could empower somebody else with that might help them boost their skills? And thirdly would be, you know, who else should be working with me on this, you know, so that I can be able to have greater insight or understanding and come up with a better product. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, Keith Ferrazzi uses a term that I love so much, uh, which is uh, around collaboration, but I think it just tweaks it a little bit, which is co-elevation. And I think that, that. yeah, because the term just implies and takes it to another level because collaboration sometimes can feel like 
we're just going to bang at this together to get this thing done and remain on the same level. Co-elevation makes the very significant point that we're going to go higher together. Right. And he uses those terms as well, going higher together, which I just think mm-hmm. is so, uh, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have to steal that from him. Yeah. Yeah. I give him the credit every time I use it. So Keith, another good. one, good. another one to you, brother. another credit. The <laughs> and what's, what's the final theme? Um, final piece for us is, is increasing our own personal capacity so we can increase the capacity of others. Um, I, I believe in this thing called a leadership lid. John Maxwell taught mm-hmm. this to me. Mm-hmm. And he said that every leader is a lid, is a lid on their organization they're leading. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a five, you can help your people get to a three and get to a four and maybe get to a five, but no higher. Mm-hmm. You're capping their capacity to be able to grow. And, and this is, uh, you know, the reason it stuck with me so well is because this is where I was at in the junior high. Yeah. I was a five and I was watching people get, get, you know, hit the top there and then leaving and going to a different place. And then we'd hire in a bunch of threes or fours and I'd kind of boost them up. And then we'd, and then we'd get there and they'd leave because I was stuck. I was a lid on this, on this model. And so number five is really about raising your little lid of leadership. It's investing in yourself mm-hmm. in a very intentional and daily process of development. Yeah. You know, I wake up every single morning. I do some kind of workout. Uh, when it's above 10 degrees, I'll run outside. Yeah. If it's lower than that, I go hit the gym and I'll go, you know, hit some weights or something like that. But every time without fail, I'll throw in, I'll throw in the earphones yeah. and I pull up the podcast. Why? Cause I want to learn. Yeah. I want to learn. I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm hungry. I, I want to develop myself. Um, I, I intentionally schedule an hour every single day just for reading, just mm-hmm. for reading. Mm-hmm. So I can be able to capture and you look at any one of these books, a lifetime of wisdom summarized in 200 pages right why aren't we reading that more (laughs) and so i'm constantly trying to up my game so that i can be able to help other people leaders really need to be more of a river than a reservoir Mm -hmm. a reservoir is like the person that goes to college and gains all this information and builds up this great wall of information and then slowly trickles out a little bit here and a little bit there that's not the right way to do it. Yeah. People need more than just a little bit. So good. A river is we're constantly pouring into ourselves. So we can constantly be pouring out ourselves. We can't, we can't fulfill our number one responsibility of developing people and helping them become leaders unless we're constantly growing ourselves. Yeah. It just, it was just, will never happen. So the fifth piece is just this passion behind trying to grow your own personal ability. Yeah. And, and, and a personal bias of mine, is focusing more on those interrelational skills, right? Yeah. Don't just grab a book to read some fictional piece. Um, it's fun to be able to read some of the technical things like, you know, lean manufacturing or whatever, but but really hone in on on those human connection skills. Yeah. You know, what does it take to be able to build relationships, to listen well, to collaborate, to empower other individuals? You know, those kinds of pieces will pay dividends. Absolutely. Those are so good. So good. You know, everyone, I just want to remind you. So pick up Jason's book, The Other Side, Five Rules for Leading with Influence. Five Rules for Leading with Influence. Five themes that he unpacked there that are going to be so helpful for you. Jason, let me ask you this as we begin to wrap up. Um, Your point around personal development um, couldn't be more on point for what we love to talk about on this podcast. You know, constantly sharpening your saw. If you had to recommend three books that have been most impactful for you on your personal development journey. I know I'm, I'm even making the question longer so you can start to think about it. <laughs> what, what three books come to mind when I say most impactful for you on your leadership development journey? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So number one, it's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic. Yes. Friends and influence people. Yes. Right. 
Um, it's an older book and most people overlook it because it's been around for so long. Yes. But that, that is an incredible guide for leadership. Yes. Incredible guide. Open it up, read it, follow every one of the instructions that it gives to you. And I guarantee you, you're going to raise your lid. Yes. Simple as that. Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people, right? Dale Carnegie. Yep. And that's, that's been redone, I think uh, a couple times now. So. Yeah, yeah, you can get it in audio book. You can get it in a lot of different ways. I prefer reading on hard copy. It yeah. just helps you kind of process through a little bit more. But sometimes I will audio to it just to be able to kind of supplement yes. or, or to re-listen to some things again. Yes. Um, second one would be the one that transformed my life. Yes. Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Uh, that book, the uh, twenty one different pieces there about how to lead, mm-hmm. and they're all people centric principles. Uh, which I think is critical. It's, yeah. it's, it's really important for us to be able to focus on people centric. Um, gosh. And then number three, this is where the, the hard decision comes in. There you go. Drum roll, please. Uh, I'm going to go with the newer book and I don't even have a hard copy because I've been listening to it. Uh, and, 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 and it's Bray Brene Brown. Mm. Um, now I'm just, is it leading up? Leading, vulnerable, leading, leading something. I forgot the title. Is it one of her one of her latest ones? Yeah. Okay. It's her leadership book by by Brene Brown. Okay. And, and the reason I mentioned that one is because that one is teaching me to be vulnerable and authentic. Yeah. yeah. And I really believe that that leaders today have to have the characteristic of being authentic and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, before in the early two thousands, it was all about characteristics. It's, it's like John's twenty one era for the laws, right? Hit these characteristics, and you're going to be a great leader. You know, earlier than that, it was about management, Six Sigma, lean manufacturing, whatever you call it, you know, master those manufacturing or those, sorry, those, those technical skills Mm -hmm. and you'll be a great leader. But today, nobody cares about that. Today, people want to know if you, if you are authentic and we can only be authentic if we're vulnerable. Yeah. So, so Brene Brown's book, it's going to bother me until I look it up. But, um, that would probably be my number three right now that I'm, that I'm just finishing up. It's really been having a big impact on me. Excellent. That's so good. And, you know, we, a couple episodes ago, we talked about uh, authenticity and uh, a few episodes before that vulnerability. And uh, even without the title, you know, I think Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's come up on our episodes a few times. And this point, you know, just closing on this point, I, I love what you said, right? Authenticity and vulnerability, because I think for a long time, and hopefully this has settled down a little bit, when we thought about leadership, you know, there was a threshold question of, you know, are you born with it or is it something you can learn, right? Then it was, okay, if it's something you can learn, what do you need to go learn? What what are the specific things and, you know, what's the formula almost, right? Um, and hopefully we started to shift to, well, okay, it can be a series of ands, right? There's some innate things you may have. There are some things you can learn. But most importantly, the places you need to look are inside. Yeah. Spend more time looking internally and let those things come out. Will you need to hone them? Absolutely. But most people know I always tell the superhero story. Superhero stories have to me four components. Every superhero finds their superpowers by accident. They Mm -hmm. goof around with them with their friend. And then it's like this aha moment. They figure out the purpose for which they were given their superpowers. Like they go like, oh, like Shazam. Oh, shoot. I have all these great things, but I'm actually supposed to do something with them. And then they still have to hone them in Mm -hmm. order to save the world. Right. I think it's the same thing with us as leaders, right? You have the powers, you'll figure out you have them, you'll goof around for a while, and then you'll get serious when you find out that purpose and want to hone them and use them to save the world. So go be a leader. That's that's beautiful. I, I like how you phrased that. So I just remembered the title of the book, um, Dare to Lead. 
Daredevil. Okay. Right, Brown. But you're right. You know, so Brene Brown is one of those authors that's just really carving a whole new pathway that way. You can look at Rachel Hollis, Marcus Buckingham, Simon Sinek, uh, mm. Gary. There, there's one theme that resonates among all these people, and it's authenticity. Yeah. Right. It's just it's it's discovering who you are, and getting really good at who you are. Exactly. Exactly. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing those five things. Continued success to you, my friend. And uh, you always have a place here at The Quirling Solution when you have something new out you want to share with the audience. Perfect. Thank you, James. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Quirling Solution. Those are our thoughts, but as always, I would love to hear yours. Be sure to send me a comment wherever you're listening, or you can send me an email at jamesrousseau at thecorlingsolution.com. Further, if you find the podcast to be of value, please hit subscribe, rate it, and write a small review, and share it with someone you think it might help. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next episode. Be informed, be empowered, be accountable.